Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to do one good deed today, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Rabid Rathian. Don't fix a problem that will cost the store a lot of money? You got it. I was working in the fitting rooms on a Sunday morning at about 11.45, when it was still relatively quiet. Usually it gets really busy from 12pm onwards, and though the store manager had given me a rail of last season's clothes to mark down, I still had to keep the fitting rooms tidy and free of returns, and was starting on the back foot because the person who'd been in there on Saturday night had left a whole trolley of stuff I had to sort out and hang up before I could put it away. So I was focusing more on the returns, but anytime I had to go back in and answer the phones, I'd do another section of markdowns on the rail. Just after I'd put some footwear returns away and was heading back to the fitting room, I noticed a pretty significant problem in the footwear section. I took two to three steps towards to fix it, only to be accosted by the store manager coming around the corner. They said, OP, what are you doing? I said, I just finished putting some returns away and I just... They say, have you finished those markdowns I asked you to do? I said, not yet, but I... They say, well, get back in there and do it. I say, I'm going to, but I just need to... They say, no, you don't just need to do anything except the job I'm paying you for. Now get back in there, do those markdowns, and stop wasting time wandering around out here. I say, okay, and go back to the fitting rooms. Over the next half hour or so, I could hear the store manager being paged to go to the front registers a lot, i.e. this might usually happen once a shift, if that, but from what I could hear over the PA system, She was having to go up there every five minutes. At 12.30, she comes storming into the fitting rooms. They say, who was working stock and footwear? I say, I don't know. They say, well, find out. They put out some new boots but didn't take the price down for the thongs that were there before. Side note to non-Australians, when I say thongs, I'm talking about the rubber footwear worn in summer, not the skimpy underwear. So I've just had to nearly let all those pairs of $50 boots go for 12 bucks. I say, oh, yeah. They say, what do you mean, oh, yeah? I say, I saw that price was wrong earlier. They say, well, why didn't you fix it? I say, I tried to, and I tried to tell you it was wrong. But you just told me to stop wasting time and get back in the fitting rooms. The store manager slowly goes redder than Barnaby Joyce. No real fallout for me, but apparently the footwear stock worker got torn a new one when they came back from their break. I'd like to say the store manager learned from her mistake. The problem could have been identified and fixed a lot earlier, and therefore a lot more cheaply before 10 to 15 customers took advantage of the price screw-up if she hadn't decided to go on a power trip. But anyone who's worked with managers like that knows she learned absolutely nothing. So considering the way the manager handled things here, especially with their rude, snappy replies, do you think in this situation with them losing all that money from that mistake that they learn something from this? That maybe in the future they'll hear out whoever? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. 
This next story is by Awful Mortician. Chick tries to gatekeep my nationality. Time to ascend to a form further beyond. For context, I'm a 20-something British-American male living in a very southern and undereducated part of the US. I've been here for a while now, and generally when I tell people where I'm from, I get a little pushback because I don't really have as thick of an accent anymore. On to the story. I work in a small office. We have a rolling line of temps that come and go. Most of them are barely high school graduates or people with very little in the way of worldly experience. This is important for later. So one day, they bring the usual parade of new hires around, and I do my introduction. Hi, I'm OP. I'm one of the recruiters here at Company X. I'm married with two dogs, and I'm originally from the UK. Normally, this is just a throwaway line that I use as an icebreaker, and it normally rolls right off. Until this one wonderful young woman pipes up. Um, you don't sound British. She, of course, left out the T very purposefully. I say, sorry, love. Forgot the coat and tails at home. I say as I drink my twinings. The group kind of laughed it off, and I figured it was a pretty open and shut deal. Nope. A couple of days later, word gets around that this chick has been telling a bunch of people that I'm not British and that I'm lying for clout. She said that I don't even sound British and that she's dating a British guy and knows how they act. So, rather than be a mature adult, I do the very British thing of malicious compliance. I need an intern to bring me some tea? Would you mind climbing the apple and pears and pouring me a cup of Rosie Lee? I started wearing three-piece suits, a pocket watch, and a monocle I found at a thrift shop. I went Super Saiyan 3 British. Obviously, about three hours into the first day, my boss wants to know what's up. I tell her, and she finds it so hilarious that she assigns that intern to me for the rest of the day. I kept using odd British rhyming phrases and sayings, and she would keep having to ask me to speak normal. I would reply, but I thought you know how us British people act. She quickly realized her error, and we've been cordial ever since. Nowadays, I keep my old red passport in my desk drawer, just in case someone pulls that stunt again. And for the record, I'm not British, I'm English, and a scouser at that. I don't think there's something as equally, like, exciting to be challenged upon because you get to prove it, but also totally frustrating than a moment where you claim you're something that you know for sure that you are but nobody wants to believe you. It's equal parts, oh, I want to prove you wrong so badly, and dang, you really don't believe me? You think I'm lying to you? This next story is by Triple Alpha. You're not allowed to bring in any supplies from home. In college, I worked as a research assistant in a lab at a well-respected Midwest university. The job entailed lots of reading and computer work to design studies testing out various treatment options within the lab. The head of the department was a tenured curmudgeon who micromanaged everything down to how many and what color pens were kept. No outside pens, paper, highlighters were permitted in the department. It was odd, but I needed the research experience to get into medical school, so I just bit my tongue as it was only for a few months. Everything was fine until the last couple of weeks, when I got a summer cold and carried a box of tissues around with me. The tissues were super soft and had lotion, so I obviously preferred them over sandpaper El Cheapo department stock. Dr. Curmudgeon came through the department and did a double take. You're not allowed to bring in any outside supplies from home. Of this, I've been very clear. We have tissues available. Use the provided supplies or fill out a department requisition form. Get rid of these. 
I'd already finished my work for the summer and got accepted to another school, so I decided to teach Dr. Curmudgeon a little lesson. Now, I wish I could say this resulted in him getting fired or otherwise punished, but he was safe, and I was tired of his terror on me and the other staff. Most of them were Chinese and in the US on visas, so cue malicious compliance. My second to last day, I got a hold of a departmental requisition form and ordered supplies as directed. I spent $2,500 on the softest toilet paper, lotion tissues, a little stock of candy bars, all new clipboards, sticky notes, the whole nine yards. On my last day, while I was gathering my things, someone from Office Max came into the office to say the shipment had arrived and he needed help getting it upstairs. Shipment? Of what? Dr. Curmudgeon bellowed. Probably office supplies, I grinned, and quietly slinked out to my car in the chaos of finding enough people to carry in $2,500 of unneeded stuff courtesy of Dr. Curmudgeon's grant account. Five years later, I ran into another person that interned through Dr. Curmudgeon's lab. I jokingly asked what kind of tissues they had, and she, bemused, smiled and said, These really expensive lotioned ones, actually. Some intern ordered enough to last 10 years worth, and they have a whole stockroom of them. I just smiled. I think she figured it out, but I never asked to make sure. I mean, hey, if you have a say in changing the quality of those tissues, or even worse, if you have a say in the toilet paper they use in the bathroom, of course you want to try and lobby for better toilet paper, better tissue paper, better amenities in general, right? I don't think there's anything worse than being a little sniffly, going into work or even a research lab, and what you have to wipe your nose with is basically like the grandson of sandpaper. Our next story is by Isaac of Lego. Just get it done. It'll be fine. I work at a robotic systems company. We design and build systems at our warehouse, and then ship it and install it at the customer's facility. My job is to assemble and wire the system at our end, and another team installs. So I got this story secondhand. The product was for a large food company, and it basically sorted finished food products and stacked them on pallets. The customer already had two of these machines, and the new one was going to be integrated into the same computer system that the other two were running off of. The project manager, I'll call him Guy, was not a very smart dude, and was not very well liked. He had personal connections to the customer. He decided that, to make them happy, he would throw in a few extra features in the program, but he also decided there was no need to tell upper management because that would bump the price up considerably, and so he emails my coworker John, the programmer. Hey John, I have some things that need to be added to the code for this job, but we need to keep this one off the books. He then explains what he promised to the customer. I don't know if that's a good idea, he said hesitantly. It could cause serious problems with the pre-existing system. He says, no, it'll be fine, just get it done. John wasn't a fan of his, but at this point, he knew that it wasn't a good idea to disagree with Guy. He decided that if something went terribly wrong, he had the emails to back him up. And hey, if something did go wrong, maybe Guy will actually get punished more than just a slap on the wrist? Anyway, he wrote the software and sent it off. We finished building the machine at our warehouse and had it tested. Everything checked out, so we packed it up and shipped it across the country to be reassembled by the install team and plugged into the original system, and the new program is downloaded. Catastrophic failure. The entire system goes down. 
This machine is the last step of the production line for the food company. This means that the entire facility is shut down until this system is up and running. And because it's a food place that deals with refrigerated food, this means that all the product going through this factory is spoiled. It took them 48 hours to fix this and get it running again. It ended up costing the customer tens of thousands of dollars in food product and lost revenue. Needless to say, guy lost his job, no one was sad to see him go, but John is still at the company with not much more than a stern talking to. I don't know if I'm in the wrong here, but does anybody agree that John is kind of just as liable here? Like yeah, John was hesitant and stuff, but like they still went through with it. Like I know people don't want to be a narc, snitches get stitches and whatnot, but shouldn't John have just gone ahead and reported what was going on here? This next story is by T Brave, a family story. My grandfather, his seed spreader, and malicious compliance. Railway, New Jersey, my Polish grandfather was a notorious bargainer. He passed away in 1972 when I was two, so I never got to know him. He was a tough man and fierce, but I've heard that he had a soft spot for his granddaughter, me. A local gardening business once ran a special in the newspaper that if you brought in your old seed spreader, they would give you $5 off the price of a new one. Seed spreaders are typically wheeled containers with a mechanism that sprays grass seeds uniformly on the lawn as you push it. But Grandpa didn't have one of those. What he did have was an old coffee can, a nail, a hammer, and some twine. He poked holes in the bottom of the coffee can with the nail, and then poked holes near the top of the can, ran the twine through as a handle, and then headed off to the garden center. When he arrived, he said he was there for the special, and handed them his coffee can contraption. They said it wasn't a seed spreader, he said it was what he used to spread seeds, and he got his $5 discount. Honestly, all things considered though, I feel like OP's grandfather, considering they got that $5 discount, they should be loyal to whatever company gave that discount, whether it's the brand or the store. The fact that they walked in there with a coffee can, holes in it, and twine as a handle, and could trade that in for 5 bucks. Good on whatever company did that. And our final story of the day is by Cyber Gandalf. Personalize this. So in my state, we have various specialty plates that support several non-profits. You can also choose to personalize said plates. The problem? You pay $25 a year for the specialty plate and $25 a year for the personalization. Even if you don't change the personalization and they don't have to send you a new one, it's the same fee. You malicious compliance. I've gotten a different personalized plate every single year for the last five years. You want to charge me the same price whether you have to make and send me a new plate or not? You're going to be making me a lot of new plates. What am I going to do with them? No idea, but I have them. I aspire to have the level of pettiness that OP does for things that obviously don't make sense. It makes me think about those times where you pay a bill online and they take a convenience fee. You pay like a really big bill and they're going to charge you 10, 15 bucks for convenience. Really makes you want to break out that notepad and mail them a check. Convenience fee in that case is 58 cents. One stamp. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.